1: Hi everyone, welcome to the Tech Entrepreneur on a Mission podcast. My name is Ton Dobbe, and I'm the founder of Value Inspiration and the author of The Remarkable Effect. I envision a world where every B2B SaaS startup succeeds because they're creating software that customers would miss if they were gone, and here's why. Research consistently shows that 90% of all startups fail, and that's bad. What's worse, however, is that 75% of SaaS scale-ups fail, companies that are supposed to have product market fit. Far too few scale-ups create the traction they aspire for and fail for the wrong reasons, and I believe this should stop. And hence, I created my business. And the goal that I have with this podcast is twofold: first, to inspire new forms of value creation by sharing compelling ideas and stories about the potential that we can unlock when technology and people blend in the right way. Secondly share experiences from tech entrepreneurs like you about what it requires to create a remarkable software business and how to overcome the roadblocks to do so. The guest on my podcast today is
0: Scott Markovich,
1: CEO of Spontaneously.
0: If you read articles around remote work or a future of work, many of the companies have been very positive positive saying, hey, wow, productivity has been through the roof. We can get work done. Everything's fantastic on the work side but we want to get people back into the office because we're missing out on the engagement and the happiness and maybe those bursts of inspirations. And I see it as really, it's a lacking of tools.
1: This is Scott. Over the past eight years, he has worked with over 650 early stage founders and startups, helping them to build the foundations of successful products, companies, and teams. He's passionate about building awesome new products and creating amazing employee experiences. Another aspect he's fascinated about is remote work. So much that he's hosting a podcast, Leading From Afar, that's all about remote leadership and sharing experiences, wisdom, and tools to make remote successful at companies all around the world. And this inspired him to start his own startup, spontaneously. It's a company that's on a mission to make remote work more awesome. And this inspired me. Hence, I invited Scott to my podcast. So we explore how switching to a remote-first world has created a range of new challenges, some very valuable to solve. Just think about the great resignation. We discuss the innovation opportunities ahead and how big impact can be created with seemingly very simple solutions. Scott shares how complacency and comfort in sticking to traditional thinking can put the best companies in harmful situations. Last but not least, he shares his views on creating a remarkable software business and why bootstrapping should be considered by more SaaS companies. By listening to this podcast, you will learn four things. Firstly, that we often make the mistake of creating solutions that literally mimic what we think needs to be done, without thinking about what needs to be achieved. Secondly, why often it's not the quality of the solution that prevents creating traction, but our inability to change human behaviors. Thirdly, why we shouldn't be obsessed with product market fit, but instead with problem market fit. And fourthly... My SaaS company should avoid going the external funding route and instead focus on building a SaaS business that can sustainably thrive on its own funding. Hi, Scott. Thank you for making your time available today and being a guest on my podcast.
0: Hi, thank you so much for the opportunity to be here and to have a great conversation today.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's what I'm looking for as well. How I got to know you is through Lunch Club, yep. a platform that I've been using for a while now. And I've met some very interesting people through the platform. So everybody listening to the podcast today, check that out. But how we got to, yeah, we brought together like-minded people and having a discussion about the opportunity of innovation. Yeah. And that's where you told the story about your company spontaneously. I mean, Mm -hmm. how Lunch Club also spontaneously brought us together. There must be something in that word. And what struck me or what inspired me is like, uh, what is the opportunity, the innovation opportunity that has actually become available through the pandemic, creating yeah. areas and pain points that we couldn't believe, yeah, like 20 months ago. We could, really couldn't believe that whatever would happen. Yeah. So, but before we start talking about the company that you created, a little bit about you. If you would have to describe yourself as an entrepreneur in two or three words, what words would you use?
0: Oh, that's a good question. Someone always learning. Good. As an entrepreneur or as a leader. And it's your responsibility to always be learning. You could always be doing things better. You could always be hearing new ways to do things, hear alternatives. So I'm a huge believer in reading and talking to mentors and just talking to everyone. I think everyone that you meet, that you come across in whatever capacity it is, you have an opportunity to learn something from them. So yeah, I'm a big believer in continuous learning.
1: We we're like-minded on that case. I always thought when I was working for Unit 4, and that's up to 2017, I always thought that I knew it all, you know, or that you that yep. you knew enough. <laughs> But boy, after I started my own company, then you yep. realize that's not the case. Yeah. <laughs> and there's so many things to learn. So that's yeah, it's fascinating what happens then, if you really are open to this. 100%. Good. Well, I mean, I'm pretty sure that spontaneously came out of listening, getting people's perspective, yeah, and learning something new. So tell me a little bit about like, what's the big idea behind the company?
0: Yeah, sure. So it came out of a pain point that I've had. I've been working remotely for about 10 years. I'm very much of an extrovert. So if I can think back to the days when I worked in an office, I try to avoid thinking about those days. But if I do, I very much enjoyed the once or twice a day run to Starbucks with a colleague or friend, every hour getting up, going to someone's desk, having a schmooze for five, 10 minutes. And those little micro interactions were very impactful and very important for me just in my mental health, my happiness at work, my engagement at work. And when I went remote, those opportunities weren't there. Because obviously, you weren't in a physical office. You were, in theory, I was working at home. So I didn't have the people around me. So you couldn't get up and meet somebody and go for a coffee. And I looked for those opportunities. I missed those for years. And probably the last 18 months that I was with InVision, I'd started this idea off just doing it. I would DM somebody random in Slack saying, Hey, I'm Scott. I'm in Israel. I'm on the support team. You want to jump on a five minute Zoom call? And people actually loved it. And I think this was the biggest thing that I heard the last, I guess now about two years through the pandemic, was companies and teams were missing these micro interactions, these little opportunities to have a conversation with somebody, five minutes, 10 minutes, Mm -hmm. whether it was missed out on lunches or coffees or just these little short bursts of conversations and interactions through the day, people were, were missing that. And that was a real big need and a real big gap that was in the market. So I said, hey, I've been feeling this for years. I've been kind of hacking a way to do it uh, you know, myself, but that's obviously not scalable. So I said, okay, I need to try to solve this. So I look to make that opportunity to really bring in that serendipity and that spontaneity of just meeting somebody random once a day for a kind of a short conversation with something that's very easy. Just like if you got up at the hour, got, went to the coffee machine, you bumped into someone there, the, the water cooler. Sure. You don't know who you're going to bump into. It just happens to be a time that you decide, hey, now I'm ready for a coffee. Let me go to the kitchen. And just kind of like a little conversation. No, you're not doing a doctoral thesis. It's just, hey, how are you? Nice to meet you. How was your weekend? Did you see the game? Did you do this? And I think that was really founding the idea and concept behind Spontaneously.
1: And it all happened spontaneously at the end. I mean, I like the story. (laughs) And yeah, it's such a simple thing at the end. But if you realize it, I mean, I recognize it so much because I've been working 10 years remotely as well possibly even more now and it is indeed those micro interactions that bring you new ideas and that do something for you mentally in a big way Mm, what do you believe is the opportunity if the world starts to adopt this idea and they bring these moments of serendipity back
0: to the business sure so it's pretty crystal clear it should be to most people or everybody that the future of work is at core at heart remote Again, whether that's fully remote, whether that's hybrid, whether it's some iteration of it, a good portion of the future of work will be where people work in some location or multiple locations and don't see each other and still work together. Obviously, like we have the whole world has experienced the last two years. What we've seen, if you read articles around remote work or future of work, many of the companies have been very positive positive, saying, hey, wow, you know, productivity has been through the roof. We can get work done. Everything's fantastic on the work side but we want to get people back into the office because we're missing out on the engagement and the happiness and maybe those bursts of inspirations. And I see it as really, it's a lacking of tools. On the work side, probably the tools that have have existed for maybe up to 10 years may not have been necessarily designed for remote work, but they enabled remote teams or people working in different offices to collaborate, not seeing each other and get work done. So it could be a product management tool like a Trello, like a Basecamp, something like that where you can collaborate. Even if you're in the same office, you're still collaborating in a cloud-based tool. It could be a whiteboarding app like Envision freehand or Mural. It's something that even at some point, if you were all in the same office, you still had a cloud-based or some kind of tool that you're using to collaborate and get work done. But there's never really been that opportunity on the communication and the engagement side. We have Zoom as we're speaking, just Google Meet and things like that. But how have companies yeah. used those tools, right? What did you hear through the pandemic? Zoom fatigue, Zoom fatigue, Zoom fatigue. Why? Because, and remote companies have made this mistake also for 10 years. They've used this medium of video, which is the closest replication you can get for face to face interaction. And they've used it for meetings and for work. You no know, stand ups, all hands, whatever it is, it's all been about work. Where the real opportunity for video is around the team building and these conversations and these engagement points. And that's why you see the companies who want to get people back in the office. It's for this face-to-face time, for these interactions, because the tools weren't really there or if their tools existed, they haven't been used in the right way. So the opportunity here for Spontaneously is to give that opportunity to every company that's distributed in some sense. And again, whether it's a Coca-Cola who has offices all over the world, whether it's a hybrid company, whether it's a fully remote company, to build those relationships across the team in a very easy way. It's literally one click. And foster those, again, deeper trust and deeper engagement, which all the studies and statistics, so I'm happy to send you anything that you like, have proven clearly that increase of productivity, increase of happiness, increases the, the company's bottom line. And this is really what's needed now. Again, because you're not forcing companies, you're not forcing employees back into the office. They may like to think that they're going to, it's just simply not going to happen. Yeah. So they're going to have to figure out, okay, how do we build relationships? How do we engage people? How do we create these interactions amongst people when there's no more coffee machine, when there's no more beers after work, when there's no more lunchroom to do, how do we recreate that? And how do we give that opportunity to our employees to again to build that opportunity to, for mental health or for engagement or productivity? So, if this is you know, the opportunity that I see, it's we're moving that direction. The tools just aren't there now to empower people to meet in an easy way, like a lunch club in, in the office and do it simply. You know, there's a couple of tools that exist out there that do something similar to like a lunch cup style, like spontaneously that will pair people yeah. together. But it's very much based on just a partnership, just meeting two people. And once could be once every two weeks, once every week at a specific time that the company se- selects, that's the time you're going to meet. Yeah. If you think about it, even in a home or back when you worked in an office, when did the company ever decide, okay, it's 1132. Now's the time to go for coffee. That doesn't happen. It's you saying, "Okay, yeah, now's a good time, now's not a good time. It's me, the individual that sure. decides now's the time for me to have this opportunity." So it spontaneously is really built on that idea of it being based on the individual's number one interests. Do they want to meet somebody today? Do they not? And their availability. Right? Ten o'clock works today, two o'clock works tomorrow, tomorrow, third day doesn't sure. work at all. very flexible and very around the individual versus the company deciding, "Hey, this is the time to meet and, and how to do it. Exactly.
1: It's such a simple idea. I mean, everybody could come up with the idea and then, of course, uh, create it. I mean, that's the next question at the end. Like, how do you create here something that, first of all, how did you decide kind of to bring your product to market? How did you approach it? I mean, because the initial thing is, so like, it needs to be somewhere where people already are.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So that is number one, I guess, part education. So I've been doing a lot of work in the remote leadership space for years. I launched a podcast at the beginning of the year, specifically on the topic of remote leadership. So I have built my network in the remote space. So the first market was going there. The first opportunity was just engaging the remote leaders, people who are passionate, who are building remote companies, who are in these positions. The second is the Slack directory, which we're still in the process of getting into it, which then says, hey, if, if you're using Slack, which probably 99% of the startups in the world are using and many large companies yeah. and enterprise companies are using as well. This is the tool, this is the central source of communication every day. People are communicating and they're engaging and they're collaborating based on this platform. So how do we leverage that opportunity where this is kind of the central source and build that additional functionality and that added value on top of that tool and say, okay, we're using this tool. Everyone's in there. We have 50 people in the company on there. We have 20,000 people in the company on Slack. How do we use that in the 20,000 people in there to build these interactions to pair people and connect people just to have these little conversations uh whenever again it is a good time for them?
1: True. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that brings me to a couple of other questions. I mean, it's fires off. You were talking about added value, you're sitting inside Slack. The idea at the end of the service seems like a very like it's a super simple idea, and that makes the idea super powerful at the end. Yeah. Because it is so simple. Yeah. But how do you build something like this that actually is creating defensible differentiation for you? Like it's a tool that's there to stay rather yeah. than it's the next feature that Slack will build in
0: itself. Correct. So it's a lot of pieces. I mean, from looking at Slack and where they've been, where they're going, especially now that they're acquired by Salesforce. For me, it seems they're looking to be this all-purpose communication. So I know they bought like an email app a couple of years ago and the screen sharing one, yeah. which they horribly messed up when they integrated it. To me, this functionality is just not in the priority list. No, nope. You have a community, people, it's, you're chatting there, you're chatting in channels, that's what they have channels there and they have groups for. Their focus is not, hey, how do you build relationships here? How do you randomly connect people there? Maybe one day they will, maybe they won't. And that's why at some point, obviously you have to go agnostic. So the plan for it spontaneously is also to integrate with Microsoft Teams and Discord and potentially other channels as well. So it's just not agnostic to one platform. But the idea of off of it is really solving a problem, right? People are using Slack, they're using Zoom, they're using whatever tools that are is. And this integration, this connection, these opportunities just aren't happening. And some of the other tools, again, what does it do? It says, okay, person A, here's person B, go for it. And now how do you kind of get conversation started? First you chat in Slack and say, hey, maybe we should meet for a call. Okay, how do we do that? How about Tuesday afternoon? No, Tuesday afternoon, I have this. How about Wednesday morning? Back and forth. Okay, go into the calendar calendar opens. I got to get invites. Here's Zoom links. Now the time comes up. I get a Zoom. I got to open Zoom. You knock on the door. Like just getting a meeting up and running is an absolute pain. And I'm surprised nobody's actually solved this yet. This is a huge opportunity for somebody to solve. Just
1: That's why I was meetings. so inspired by it. It's, it's yeah. so simple. It's yeah. so powerful.
0: So that's problem number one I've seen. Problem number two, which I think even Lunch Club has, it's that pre-coordinated meeting that when you and I signed up, we signed up at some point saying, hey, Wednesday at you know, two o'clock, my time, 12 o'clock, your time worked. But What happens with real life? 10 minutes before you get a little notification. Hey, you have a conversation with this person in 10 minutes. Oh, I'm in deep work. You have something going on. Now it doesn't work. I know how many times that's happened to me. Probably most people that's happened at least once or twice in their career that yeah. something pops up and now is not a good time. And I felt over the years of my career that unless it's something critical that I have to do or that we know each other very well, neither of us would feel comfortable saying, hey, listen, can we do it later? Could we do it tomorrow? Because we've already pre-agreed saying, hey, I'm dedicating my time to you. Sure. And you're dedicating mine. So we kind of like our hands are tied. So we feel like, okay, we have to come into this conversation just because we have to. And if the real hope for the product is to build those deeper connections and to build that relationship, well, that opportunity is bittered because it's a forced conversation. So it's not, hey, this is a really good time for you. It's like, hey, this is really not a good time for me. Like, okay, let's just do this because we have to do it. So really trying to solve that problem as well. That is really, again, hey, when you onboard, on board, you choose four default time slots that normally work for you because most people know when they tend to take their breaks. We send you a message, hey, is now a good time. Nope, don't do anything. Next time, we'll ping you again. If it is, literally one button, that's all you have to do. You click one button, the video call automatically starts, lasts exactly eight minutes because again, it's not done a lifelong conversation or a doctoral thesis automatically ends so again there's no apps or links or knocking on doors or any of that nonsense very easy in out and then go move on with the rest of your day exactly yeah
1: simple as it is it needs to be super simple because that's yeah that's the experience of the coffee the walk through the hall or the conversation at the water cooler yeah yeah interesting i agree with you it's like you're you chose the platform that is used by so many organizations around the world and just plugging into that is making it part of the daily atmosphere already yeah that's a very good start And of course, also a way to get instant traction. Yeah, correct. So what was the hardest not to crack in order to grow adoption of this? I mean, and possibly even virality.
0: Yeah. Probably the biggest challenge I've been facing so far is education on two fronts. Number one, educating all those companies who are now thinking, okay, we're moving to a hybrid company, the hybrid model for all the wrong reasons educating them saying, hey, why is it critical for you to be investing in tools right now before the pandemic is over that will allow you to foster and easily create these conversations and these engagements to get the end game that you're looking for? Because unfortunately, the leaders of these companies didn't come from a remote environment. They don't understand that it's a totally different setup and that you need to have intentionality. The biggest centrality of remote work is intentionality. Everything you do, conversations, engagement, feedback, whatever it is, it's all based on intentionality. So number one is educating them. Hey, you need to have this in place before the pandemic ends, before offices happen to return, because when they get to return, how are you going to foster those conversations? You're going to have some people that come into an office. You're going to have some people that are at home and they used to be sitting next to each other. So they used to talk, they used to go to lunch, they used to have coffee together, and now they don't. So how do you foster... Those relationships, because you want the relationship to be just as good and hopefully strengthen over time. So you need to replace it with tools. You need to recreate that office experience now digitally. So that's, I think, one side of education. The second side is of getting people past the idea of there's one tool. I guess that kind of owns this space that makes kind of those connections. That that's all they do. And it's okay. Well, it's kind of good enough. No, for me, anything whether it's business, whether it's personal growth, whether it's anything, the answer good enough is never good enough, right? Nothing should ever be good enough. The fact that there may be some other tool that just happens to put two people together once every two weeks and say, okay, that's what we're doing. Well, is that the right way? Is that the way, I mean, it was never built for remote work. Do people really just talk once every other week? And what happens if they can not talk the other week? Now they have to wait a month before they meet somebody else. And what happens if it's a global company? And like my experience in Envision, probably half the people I was paired with with this other tool were on the West Coast of the US. So again, I love meeting people. I love connecting, but there was no way I was coming on at eight o'clock my time to go meet somebody for a 10, 15 minute conversation. So the value of the tool obviously dissipates the more often that the conversations don't happen. And then if it's only once every week or once every two weeks. So it's really educating them, getting past that comfort mode. Okay, we have a tool in place. We have something that makes connections well. Again, it wasn't designed for remote work, and it's not the optimal. You have to do all the heavy lifting. You have to get you know, the meeting invites and the calendar invites and find the right time. And is it still There's a better way now, right? All the tools that are coming out now for remote work are being built by remote workers for remote workers with remote work in mind. And these yeah. are the tools that need to be enabled by companies today to make remote work successful. So I mean, think those was probably the biggest challenge in two different phases.
1: Yeah, I mean, and I completely agree with you. It's well on the sales side, at least on the marketing side, I mean, people are not even looking for these type of solutions. Yeah. <laughs> so it's really selling something like selling yeah, a better world. So yeah. it's selling an aspiration, selling something that people want to have rather than they need to have. Because I mean I don't think that a lot of companies really have you know, started to see that this is what we need.
0: Yes, I completely agree with you. And I think for me, this is we're at the point of probably the biggest revolution work. Since the Industrial Revolution, you see what's going on in America now expanding into Europe and other places, the great resignation. Yes. Millions and millions of people are leaving their jobs in a time of chaos and bad economies, and who knows what's going on. They're purposely quitting their jobs because they're not happy, because they're not engaged, they're not rewarded, they're not happy at the place that they're at. And we're now at that crux point where, again, the future work is going where this has to be at the core and the ethos of a company of, we need to take this seriously. We need to take employee happiness and employee engagement and mental health and all those things that we never paid attention to because we figured the office did it for them to kind of let it happen. I've had so many of these arguments with people on social media and other places of, oh, the office creates the culture. The office has absolutely nothing to do with the culture. It's the people. It's the engagement they have there.
1: Let me make a small interruption here. Scott just made a critical remark about how sticking to traditional beliefs can hurt companies big time. The world is changing and requires different solutions to new problems. This is an innovation opportunity we all have, and sometimes the solution is in changing something very simple, very subtle, and that's what Scott has seen. It's a trade Remarkable Software Companies master. They master the art of curiosity. And they don't settle for the obvious, but they dig deep until they get to the essence. Such as this example around what really drives culture and how sticking to old principles can deteriorate one's magic culture. And this makes it potentially a very expensive problem to solve. Not a nice to have, but mission critical. And here's where the shifts happen. Now you can master these traits as well. And I've got various options for you to start. Just go to valueinspiration.com to learn about the masterminds and the workstreams to put those fundamental building blocks in place to fast track the growth of your software company. And as you're there anyway, don't forget to grab a free Kindle version of my book, The Remarkable Effect, to start sparking new inspirations in the next 30 minutes. Back to the interview.
0: The people the assumption, okay, they're in the office, there's a ping-pong table, there's a beer tap, but you know, they can kind of let the culture happen. But that was never true. But certainly as true. You know, the future is remote and hybrid in some kind of sense like that, it becomes far less true. So the new reality is, again, that core word of remote work is intentionality. Now a company is going to have to be very intentional and in how they build somebody's career and how they do learning and development and how they do mental health and how they do engagement and how they do happiness. You need to push. You need to make it happen because, again, you don't have the grassroots opportunity. Again, you can't go for beers after work. You can't go to lunches. Sure. You don't have these opportunities just to kind of let it happen itself. With a remote environment, it has to be intentional. So it's really... If I, again, kind of to bring up the points and educating people like, hey, this is a whole new world we're coming into. And that was something that, again, it's been 150 years. This is a total shift that yeah. everything now is going to be, has to be intentional, has to be designed for the happiness and the success of the company, because it's clear people are going to leave, as we've seen yeah. millions of people already doing.
1: Yeah, but it needs to be intentional at the end, but also serendipitous again, because he, like you say earlier, you cannot orchestrate this. I mean, especially Correct. if you think about, well, people that are the great leave, the great resignation, yep. these people are starting to work for different companies where they know yep. nobody. Yep. How are you going to get, kind of create those relations and get these ideas and build your connections? Yeah, But maybe even, I mean, I'm always trying to kind of understanding is, is it a nice to have or is it mission critical? Possibly it is going to, <laughs> this is more mission critical than you think.
0: Correct. I mean, for 10 years, I would have said this is mission critical back when remote companies were few and sparing. But certainly as we move forward, it's absolutely, absolutely critical. And kind of your point previously, a number of the companies who initially signed up for spontaneously did it specifically for the use case of onboarding new hires remotely. Um, Each one of, I think there's about four or five companies, each of them were planning to double their size of their team in the next six, nine months. And they understood, hey, we have people we are coming in who don't know anyone. And again, you don't have the office, you don't have those opportunities to just meet people. And I mean, even companies, I have a good friend who started a job about eight weeks ago at some company in the US, and he's burnt out, totally burnt out. I asked him, what happened? He's like, there's no onboarding and there's no opportunity to connect with people. I'm like isolated on my own little island. So how do you have this opportunity where you're hiring new people and you spend Probably thousands of dollars and tens of hours getting this person because this was the right person to join the company. And now for them to burn out within like the first two or three months and then to be finished because they're isolated. They don't know anyone. They don't talk to anyone outside their core team. It's difficult to meet. So even for that use case of onboarding, that every day, and it's not again, it's not forced, right? It's not forced on either side saying, you, Scott, you have to meet you know, with the VP of sales today to have a conversation. And from the Maybe VP of sales, of it's like. Sell. Yeah. yeah, and for the B VPSL like, oh great, I gotta meet some other new hire today. Like, I don't have the time for this. That's again very specific. Hey, okay? hey, whenever's a good time, just raise your hand. Someone else in the company is gonna raise their hand, and then voila, you meet somebody simply and easy for a short conversation, get to know somebody yeah. and and keep going.
1: That's what I like about the simplicity of this. So let me see. I mean, I already highlighted the whole thing of variability. The companies that started to work with your solution, how is that gone? How are these people sort of changing perspective?
0: Yeah. So most of the companies that have signed up are remote companies or have decided to be remote first companies. They were office companies. Now they're remote companies and they understand now that people aren't working in the same office, they need to recreate those moments. They need to build that engagement. They're very much, which they should be thinking and planning about IRLs and getting people together, you know, when the pandemic ends or when it's safe to go. But you obviously can't do that every week. You can't do that every month. So how do you build those relationships with people in between those times where you can actually get them together in person? So a lot of the companies are coming for those reasons saying, hey, we want to build these relationships. We want to strengthen these relationships. We want to build those bonds and we want to do it very easily. And no, they were using kind of that tool that I didn't mention the name, but giving that feedback, it's like, hey, it's forced or it takes a lot of work and it's okay. I got to do it then. But very much of like the feedback I've gotten, it's, hey, this is unbelievably simple. Again, literally one click. And the most important part of it, it's literally based on me. Like I have the opportunity to decide when I want to meet. And yeah. some days, yes, some days, no, some days, morning, afternoon, whatever it is. And that's the feedback that's really built around me, the individual. So I can meet when I want to meet and get connected when people want to get connected. And that's yeah, another good case is I have a couple of teams that are using it. Signed on because their executive team, their team was growing, and their executive team felt like, hey, we're kind of losing touch with the frontline team. No, because as the company grows, your calendar tends to be now filled up on a very strategic and pre scheduled basis. So, those opportunities to kind of randomly meet people less than by the day in the month. So, they wanted these opportunities to, hey, number one, obviously be able to get those connections with the people on their team, but Whenever they have a space between a meeting or a meeting got canceled or a meeting got pushed off to say, hey, hey, great. Okay, now I don't have to do anything. Boom. Let me click one button. Now let me meet somebody in my company and build that, again, that relationship and have that access to management and all the kind of reasons behind exactly. it. Yep. But just do it simply. And again, when it's convenient for me.
1: Yeah, it's those wow moments. I mean, in my book, yeah. I talk about yeah, the moments that matter, magical moments. Yeah. yeah, it's the thing that you actually look forward to. And if that starts yeah. to become sort of the buzz, yeah, then you can create something that everybody wants to start to use. Yeah. Not that everybody, of course. I mean, the water cooler moments, of course, yeah, you don't plan them because they're wow moments. But, okay. <laughs> but when you miss them, you start to see the value of it. Yeah. Talking about you know, something remarkable that people talk about, you've been in the industry for a while. What do you believe are, in my book, I talk about the 10 traits that define remarkable software businesses. What do you believe are traits that you should have in order to create products or services that people keep talking about?
0: Number one, you solve a problem. So I'm very not a believer in the idea of product market fit. I'm very much in the idea of problem market fit, right? The world does not need another product. The world does not need another social media app. The world does not need another photography app but the world needs solutions to problems. So it could be a social media app that's very focused on some unique use case, or it could be a photography app that doesn't other photography apps don't allow you to do some kind of functionality to maybe some niche group or whatever it is. Then that's the product that you build that you solve the problem. So in essence, that's at heart. And I've mentored probably a thousand early stage startups and first-time founders and many of them have come in oh, I'm having issues with churn or sales or growth yes. or, or fundraising. And I say, and it's funny because I say to them, before I look at any of your information, your deck, your website, I'm like, I'm 99% sure the problem is problem market fit. No, 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 we have not And I said, okay, then I look at the, I look whatever they give me. And I'm like, yes, of course, right? The problem, it's it's another product. It's another online format. It's another collaboration tool. The world doesn't need any of those things. They need solutions to problems. So I think that's number one. Number two is UX, making it super simple and super easy. And probably the greatest example of something that combined those two things, which is probably the business that impacted economy and life more than anything else in the last 10 years is Uber, right? For many years, I lived in Manhattan. I know they start in San Francisco, but in Manhattan, if you wanted a cab in Midtown Manhattan during rush hour or on a Friday, Saturday night going anywhere, forget it. And you had strategies as being a New Yorker said, okay, I lived on the Upper East Side. Well, if I go to like an eastbound street that goes only eastbound, that means it's probably people are getting dropped off by the taxi. So maybe that would be the good place when they're getting dropped. You'd walk around for 20, 30 minutes trying to find a taxi, right? That was a nightmare. And what did Uber do? Saying instead of you going to get a taxi, you just press one button and taxi comes to you. And Literally life and economy and work and everything has changed monumentally based on what Uber did and that concept. Saying, hey, we're solving a problem of how do you get from point A to point B easily and quickly? And how do we do it simply? Boom, one button. A lot of car shows up. Fantastic I think those analogy. Yeah. I think those are probably the two biggest things. And there's lots of other things. It's timing. No, timing is certainly important. I have a good friend who had a company here in Israel a couple of years ago that repurposed Underutilized spaces like bars and restaurants to be co working spaces. This was obviously pre pandemic and the company didn't make it. I think they maybe merged it into something else because the world didn't need that, right? People who wanted to work somewhere went to WeWork or went to you know, one of the co working spaces. But now, right, this is probably the biggest opportunity in the future of workspaces taking those libraries, those bars, those hotels, those things that are underutilized during the day and repurposing them to get added value for the person who's looking for a place to work and it's certainly the same side for the business. So it could be timing, I think, is also definitely part of it. Two years earlier, nothing. Two years later, a big opportunity.
1: Yeah. I mean, you gave a couple of very strong arguments. I like the problem market fit. It's so true. And indeed, then how you approach that simplicity. And yeah, of course, timing is a very important thing. But again, the timing has to do with the problem. Correct. You know, because if the problem is not there, yeah, then the product doesn't have a need. So it all comes down to the same thing again. Yeah. So what are you most proud of achieving so far with your solution? I mean, is there an anecdote from a customer that you keep talking about? I mean, what makes you proud here? Really,
0: I think the feedback that I've gotten from me, the whole purpose of why I built the product, why I do the podcast, why I've mentored tens and tens of remote companies or companies building remote tools. I'm passionate about remote work. I'm passionate about the future of work. I want it to be successful. I want everyone to see, the true beauty of it, what everyone saw pre-pandemic, during pandemic was a totally different story. And what we'll see once the pandemic is ended. And the feedback that I get is people just love the experience. They love the opportunity to meet somebody. Like they're happy that five minute, that eight minute conversation with somebody made them happy. They met somebody new, they made somebody that they have, whatever it is, and just getting that. And whether it's from the company, whether it's from the individuals, it's like, Hey, this tool is making remote work more successful at these companies. So for me, that's the biggest thing that I could ask for is just, hey, is remote work being more successful? Is this tool allowing remote to be a better opportunity and something that companies embrace because now the tools are in place? For me, that's the biggest success criteria that I can hope for.
1: Yeah, I completely agree with that. So based on the lessons learned so far, the tidbits of wisdom I call it typically, what would be a do and a don't that you would give to other people that aspire to become a tech entrepreneur?
0: Do, it's just build stuff. You no, know, whether you're a developer, whether you're a designer, just keep launching things. I know, I think it was Mark Cuban had said this maybe at the beginning of the pandemic. He said like the biggest thing that he's going to look for post-pandemic when this is all over, and probably then you expected it to be a couple of months. We're seeing people who just launch stuff, right? Just build stuff. It doesn't matter if it failed, different manner of it's successful. You had one sign up. you know, just build stuff. So I think for that, it's just, see problem that happened that you see in your life or people that you know, and try to solve it in a simple way. And you know just fantastic, no code tools, no code tools. And, and just build an MVP, a simple MVP that solves that problem, that one problem simply, and just get it out there and try to validate that it does solve said problem. And it gives a you know, a value proposition to somebody. And then the don't, it's just don't be afraid. You know, don't have any fear of trying to launch something. Even if you fail, for me, I don't believe in failures. I believe it's everything is a learning opportunity. And you know, if it didn't, you didn't get growth, you didn't get something, okay, well, there's reasons why that. And if you're able to kind of pull out those reasons, well, maybe it was pricing, maybe it was timing. So the next thing you try to launch, okay, well, you realize what you've learned. Okay, now let me not make that mistake. So I think there's you no, know, don't be hesitant. It's you no, know, don't be hesitant of failure. Don't be hesitant around any of that. And probably the other one, it's, I'm very much a believer in bootstrapping business and trying to avoid the whole venture realm. I know probably exactly. many people get into it for the idea of, no, I want to be a billionaire one day, but I come in very much with the idea of just build a business that's sustainable. I mean, exactly. because outside of tech, I mean, this has never happened before. If you had a coffee shop five, 10 years ago of now, and you got a loan from the bank, then you wanted to go there later and they find that, well, you're losing $5 in every cup of coffee. At some point, they're going to say, well, listen, unless you're able to make $5 on that cup of coffee, we're just not going to give you money anymore. Sure. But this is what the, the venture world is. It's like, we don't care about you losing money and how much money and whatever it is. Just we'll keep dumping money and we're going to close our eyes and dump money in there and hope that you're one of those you know, rocket ships out of the 99 failures. So for me, it's build a business that is sustainable and that's trying to be profitable because in the end, A, you're going to have a lot more ownership and say within the company, so that guides you where you want the product, where you want the company to go, and you have more control on all those pieces, but it allows you to also to be more successful. And you're not having to run every six months to go raise more money because your bank account's approaching zero. You're really trying to focus on how do you build it the right way. So I guess that would probably be the other piece of advice is really try to go the model of bootstrapping and try to build a real business that can make money.
1: I completely agree with you on that one. Yeah. So true. So true. I sometimes also can't believe my eyes when I hear this, the stories about venture capital. Yeah. And yeah, what damage it creates, especially in those first couple of years. And then you have to all earn it back, which, yeah. yeah. And all the trouble you get from there. I mean, if there's anything that the, I mean, people listening to this podcast, if there's anything they could do for you, what would be something that how they can help you? What's your big ask?
0: I guess probably the easiest one is you know, if you're a remote or hybrid or even a distributed team that's looking to have engagement, you know, feel free to go to the website and sign up spontaneously. Every account comes with a 30 day free trial. So you get to kick the tires for 30 days before you get billed. Probably the second thing is if you're in a leadership role or managerial role within a remote company, and certainly have started during the last two years, go to my podcast, Leading from Afar. We're, again, sharing experience and knowledge about how to do it and what worked and what didn't work and giving ideas. And the third thing is, yeah, just, I'm always happy to hear about feedback, about experiences about working remotely and what makes you happy and what doesn't, because I'm always trying to make remote work better. So if there's things that are, you no know, challenges, hey, I want to hear about them and see how I may be able to help them. Or, hey, maybe this is another business or something product to add on going forward.
1: Great. Yeah, these are, I mean, uh, wise things to ask for. And I mean, you're creating a sort of a global community of people that are like-minded, first of all, because they believe in the model, but also they share similar type of problems. So it's smart. So thank you for that. Where can people go to find out about your products and to say hi to you?
0: Yeah. So so it's spontaneously, S-P-O-N-T-A-N-E-O-U-S dot L-I, or you can do .com and obviously redirects on social media, on LinkedIn, Twitter. You can contact me on LinkedIn or Twitter, Scott Markovitz. And that's probably the best way to find out more about the product, to get any questions answered. I'm here to be helpful or to give advice. The podcast is leadingfromafar.com. It's on all the various podcasting tools, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Amazon and so forth. And yeah, I guess worst case, people can contact with you and you can pass them over uh, my way.
1: Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Thank you very much, Scott. This was inspiring. I mean, I like first of all, I like the story already when I heard it first. And it tells again like that if you get an eye for problems that are coming and you have the drive to solve them, you know, it can bring so much good, both for yourself as a kind of driving the company, but actually to the world and bring those moments back that we're all missing. So thanks for that.
0: No, my pleasure. Thank you so much for the opportunity to connect and to share the story and hopefully be helpful to your community.
1: For sure. And this ends my conversation with Scott. I hope you enjoyed it. And if so, please leave a review on iTunes. And if it inspired you, please share this podcast with other tech entrepreneurs on the mission that you have in your network. Other than that, thank you for tuning into this podcast. I had the honor to speak to Scott Markovich, CEO of Spontaneously. As said, the goal that I have in this podcast is twofold. Firstly, To inspire new forms of value creation by sharing compelling ideas and stories about the potential we can unlock when technology and people blend in the right way. And secondly, share experiences from tech entrepreneurs like you about what is required to create a remarkable software business and how to overcome the roadblocks to do so. Before I close, I have two more comments to make. If you know other tech entrepreneurs on a mission that have a story worth sharing please send me an email at ton.dobby at valueinspiration.com. Building the momentum all starts with revealing the ideas. And that starts with you. And if you want to know more about my book, or you're interested in joining the Remarkable Effect tribe, please visit my website at www.valueinspiration.com. Thanks for tuning in. And you could do me a big favor by rating the podcast on iTunes or provide me with your feedback directly. I'll see you shortly on a new episode.
0: The world's best known investor and Wall Street expert, Warren Buffett, once said, Wall Street is the only place that people ride to in a Rolls Royce to get advice from those who take the subway.